I'm going to ask you a question. You can chat together, and especially if you've got youngsters uh, with you as well. Here's a question just to get you going. What's the longest time you've lost contact with someone for and then rediscovered it? So what's the longest time you lost contact with someone and then rediscovered it or lost and then found something? Okay, so what's the longest time uh, you lost contact with someone and then kind of regained contact or lost something and then found it again? Okay, it could be half an hour for some of you organized glorious people. Uh, but have a little chat together. It's a great way to get to know each other a little bit. What's the longest time you lost contact with someone for before reconnecting? If you don't want to talk to someone, you don't have to, but feel free to think about it yourself. I will be asking for some questions. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. So here we see. Let's hear some. Let's hear some. Let's hear some. James. Wait, sh- 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 James. Um, I lost my wedding ring. Um, thought I'd, uh, I'd lost it in the swimming pool. So we had the whole swimming pool looking for my wedding ring. Um, uh, couldn't find it, so we bought a new wedding ring. And then it wasn't for a few months, and I found it in my golf bag. I'd taken it off to play golf. Yes. When you say a few months, rough number? Four or five. Four or five. <laughs> Four or five. Okay. Four or five. So, anyone else? Anyone else? Four or five. Four or five. Uh, Matt's always got a good story. Right. Who or what? So, it's not, it wasn't me. It was my mum. Okay. Um, my mum my left me in a shop when I was six months old for about an hour and a half because she forgot that she had me. <laughs> Lord, we just want to pray just, <laughs> just for that. Okay. Hour and a half, but a baby. I mean, that's pretty, pretty, pretty big stuff. Yes, 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 yes. I'll do Amy first. Amy? I lost contact with a friend for about eight or nine years. Eight or nine years? Back in touch now? Yep. Very good, very good. Okay, eight or nine years for a friend? Yeah, when I left high school, uh, my best friend and I said we were going to say goodbye for the summer because we were going to the same university. Um, he went to Michigan, I went to London, and I never got to the States, and, it, and we met him in the summer 33 years later. 33 years later. Okay, that's the record so far. I need prayer to find a lost wedding ring. You need prayer to find a lost... When was it lost? Eight years ago. Oh, where was it lost? In the bedroom before we laid carpets. Oh. Somewhere in the um, skirting boards. Eight years. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, yeah. um, some of you in the summer were here, and, and I apologize because I'm going to retell the story, but... Um, when we sent our kids to Bournemouth this summer to see my parents, they went to a rock climbing place on uh, Boscombe Pier, and um, Noah and the kids were climbing there. And uh, this guy, random guy, walked up to my mum and dad and went, is that Paddy Harris's son? And they were like, yeah, but why are you weirdly asking us about this boy? And he went, oh, my name's Stuart Carpenter. I went to primary school with him. He's the spitting image, and I thought it might be. Right, true story. And he sort of vaguely recognised my mum and dad, but it caused him to us. So we're now back in touch, right? So this is, um, so I'm 42 now. I last saw him when I was 11. Um, I'm back chatting on Facebook. Um, and he did it because he looked at Noah and went, looks a bit like Paddy. Um, how bizarre is that? Stuart Carpenter. And that's true, isn't it, Noah? True story. So um, you might be wondering, well, what's this got to do with peace, right? Um, as, as is often the case, when it comes to things like, like love, like the, the Greeks have five words for love, and we Brits have one. So it's like, I love, lo- I love Marmite, I love gardening, I love my wife, and it's like, what, equally? 
It's like, nah, wife a bit less. Um, but also, when it comes to peace, when it comes to peace, I think we often have quite a sort of shallow view of it. And in Hebrew, they, they had a, a much deeper view of it. And, and the word shalom, if we, if we move on, one definition is no one missing, nothing broken. So true peace is when no one's missing and there's nothing broken. That's when true peace is found. The, the idea being that like in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning, there was perfect relationship in a perfect place. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace, no one missing, nothing broken. And yeah, if we move on, thanks Dan. Um, I think our world gives us like a different definition of peace. It might, if we go flick down one more, it might look a little bit like this. Yeah, how many of you, this is your dream of peace? Just a bath with candles. No one, you're liars. A fire hazard. <laughs> Darling, I would do it, but it's a fire hazard. It's not your dream of peace. Okay. Maybe you're far more holy than I thought. D, that's your dream of peace? You love a hot bath with some candles. Okay. You can get LED ones now, mate. Right. Um, just, 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 just flick up. No, fl- uh, go up, go up, 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 up. Yeah. So, so I want to contrast, right? Shalom with a worldly peace. And I'm going to see if some of you agree with me. Okay. So I think, personally, because Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, but not as the world gives. That's John 14, 27. That some of us feel like we're not rested because we don't really know what peace is. I'll say that again slower. Some of us are not rested because we don't know what peace truly is. And my aim today is to try and say, how can you have peace? Right? Number one, in shalom, no one missing. I don't know about you, sometimes for me, I want no one present. That's what peace looks like for me. Shut the kids out, shut the family out, turn the phone off, just no one present, just me. And the world tells us, have a bit of me time, you time, me time. True or not, raise your hand. Kind of, yeah, a little bit. And it may not be what you love, but for some people, and I'm not saying this is awful, but there's a bit of a difference. In Shalom, there's nothing broken. But for me, sometimes when I want a worldly peace, I want nothing to bother me. No, don't tell me the bins need to be put out. Don't tell me that I've forgotten to do someone's homework. Don't tell me about that bill that I need to pay. Don't tell me that I missed an appointment again. Don't, t- I want nothing to bother me, yeah? And yet, shalom is about nothing broken. Nothing broken. We'll, we'll, we'll go through this. What's really interesting is about shalom, one of the pictures of shalom, right, is that, um, John, can I borrow you for a second, please? So imagine John and I are at war. And we've been fighting for a long time. Shalom is not just that we make peace, but that, that we then work and walk together. <laughs> Glorious, John. Um, So it's not just the absence of war. It's a working together for peace and for good. Shalom in the Bible is an action. It's active. Sometimes the world says worldly peace is just doing nothing. How many of you? That's the dream. You wake up and you go, what do I have to do today? Nothing. Anyone? Yeah. (laughs) Some. Some. And once again, I'm not knocking it because it kind of, we lurch from that to work and then back into that but shalom is going to be hopefully fuller lastly shalom lasts it lasts we're going to find out about that in a minute in the passage um but worldly peace i don't know about you 
Can any of you remember the last time you felt true peace? It's weird, isn't it? Without, I was trying to think back. When I was 18, Twin Towers happened. And then there was war. And then there was another war. And then we've had financial breakdowns. And we've had, it's hard, isn't it? And, and if you're a believer as well, it might feel a bit like there's not much peace in the church at the moment. And we're like, oh my goodness, what do we do? What do we do? Well, well how can we have peace, okay, if it's not uh, a worldly peace? Let's go on, Dan, uh, very much. Uh, and again, thank you. Uh, so what we do is have a little look uh, in the Bible, uh, which you've got near you. Uh, Isaiah 32, okay, Isaiah 32. Uh, question number one, it's a simpler one. You can just look at it together. Uh, what does Isaiah 32 say a king is coming to do? Okay, so have a little look. Isaiah 32 tells us in the first little bit what a king is coming to do. Have a little check together just at the very start. I'm going to give you just a minute or two. What does it say a king is coming to do? Have a little talk together. Thank you. Okay, what does it say a king's coming to do? What does it say? That there's going to be a king who's going to do what? What does it say? What does it say? Shelter. Righteousness. Refresh them. You're not alone, that there's a king for you. Um, just really quickly, the background to this, right, is um, Israel and Judah were about to be attacked by Assyria. It was going to be the end of their sort of uh, time in the, in the land. Uh, Judah had made a deal with Egypt. Egypt had some really cool army stuff. They were like, we'll ask Egypt to help us. Um, but there was a lot of fear around. It felt like the end. Now, whilst we don't have uh, a foreign nation against us, it can feel a bit like we're living in a foreign land at the moment. For those of us who are believers, it can feel a bit like the language just feels different and the way the world feels feels different. And we can feel a bit like, what's it going to look like? There's lots of people saying it's the end of church. The great de-churching has happened. One thing I want to challenge us to do, uh, how to have peace, is listen to one person and not a crowd. Listen, Listen to one person and not the crowd. It's impossible to please the crowd And yet so many of us spend all our lives trying to please the crowd. I promise you it's impossible. I've tried. Being a pastor, you try and please the crowd every single Sunday if you're not doing it right. And it's exhausting. I'll say this bit because that's funny and they like a joke. And I'll say this bit because they like a bit of justice. And I'll I'll do this thing and I'll dance for the kids because they love it when the fat lad dances. And it's, it's hard work pleasing the crowd. And some of you, if you're not feeling rested, it might be you're pleasing the crowd. Uh, teens, I know especially, especially at school, it feels like death will come if you don't fit in with the crowd. I, I get that. Like, I can't imagine how tiring that must be. But I want to encourage us, as we go through this kingdom stuff, again and again, we're told that the, the, the world has fallen from how God wanted it to be. So why would we live for it? Why would we listen to it? Why would we live according to its values and the things it values when they tire us? And I'm not talking about, you know, running away and becoming communists and bombing people. But I'm talking about being aware. Aware of the influences you're under. The stats for unhappiness and economic decline and and mental health challenges are going up and up and up and up. And our solution is to sort of throw pills at people rather than saying there is something in culture that is not creating peace. But, But it's possible. Listen to the right voices. You're my child who I love. You're my child who I love. You're my child who I love. I've loved you to the very ends of the earth. You're my child who I've loved. 
Whatever you look like, whatever you've done, you're my child whom I've loved. You're my child whom I've loved. Listen to that voice. I love you before you start. Before you do action songs, Paddy, I love you before you start. Like, like it, it is a relief. And it's a peace. And if you're sat here going, I could never do that. It's the world speaking at you. Because God says, I've overcome the world. I want to challenge you. King versus crowd. What's really powerful about this passage is, listen to how accurate Isaiah gets our current world. Ready? Are you ready for this? I think it's one of the most accurate descriptions of modern day culture. Are you ready for this? Okay. Verse 5. And this comes having gone to a pro-am last week where there were a lot of YouTubers playing golf and videoing themselves playing golf. And it was irritating because they can't play golf. And they would make shots after shots after shots and film the right one. Listen to this, ready? This is what, this is what Isaiah wrote thousands of years ago. No longer will the fool be called noble. No longer will the scoundrel be highly respected. For fools speak folly, their hearts are bent on evil. They practice ungodliness and spread error concerning the Lord. The hungry they leave empty, and from the thirsty they withhold water. And then this one, so I just really resonated with me this week. Scoundrels use wicked methods to make up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. It could be written about today, couldn't it? In a world of misinformation and manipulation and all kinds of stuff. Do you know why this gives me peace? It means God knows. It means he sees it. It means he's acted. It means we're not alone in this. It means the world hasn't suddenly gone worse than it used to be. Because they were writing this thousands of years ago. Does that make sense? I hope so. Uh, lastly, just really quickly as we go through this, uh, verse 9, which we didn't read, uh, read uh, talks about how to have peace. And it, and it sets up this kind of difference between uh, what I think is a very worldly type of peace, which says this, You women who are so complacent, rise up and listen to me. Your daughters who feel secure, hear what I say. In a little more than a year, you who feel secure will tremble. The grape harvest will fail. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's really, really wrong, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so, so back in those days, it was the women who made the homes. It was the women who looked after the houses. And it was the women who um, managed that kind of side of life. And so when this bit's talking about like um, feeling too comfortable in your home, which I'll just talk about in a second, it was addressed to those who were kind of in that space. Um, it does apply to men as well. It's a great question. And, it's, and um, yeah, but um, it, what you've also got is this contrast. So the first bit's aimed at men. And the second bit is aimed at women, but applies. It's a great question. Um, so, so, so really quickly, right, what does this mean? Um, some of us think that if we can just get our homes painted r- right color or look in the right space or if we get the right job or the right thing, then we can be comfortable and that's where peace will come. Okay, I, I'm going to ask one last question. I've asked this before in church, um, but it's always good to get the update. What's the quickest something has been broken in your household that you purchased? What's the quickest that something that you purchased in your household has been broken? Uh, I've asked this before. Have a quick chat again together just for 30 more seconds. The last question today. What's the quickest that something has been broken in your household? Ask really quickly. Okay, okay, okay. Really quickly, really quickly. Noah's going up for it. Quickest something that's been broken in your house. Quickest something you've been broken in your house. Two hours. Two hours. What was it? Um, a bike on Christmas Day. A bike on Christmas Day. Two hours. Uh, what happened? Tell people. Uh, I was riding around the green where we live and crashed into a bush. Yeah. 
Had you been told not to ride the bike? Yes. Yes! <laughs> Who told you not to ride the bike? You. Me! Why did I tell you not to ride the bike? Because it free. <laughs> yes! Yes, it did. Two hours. That was a great Christmas. Great Christmas. Um, fast something that you've bought and broken. I bought a cookie jar in Oxfam, and immediately after I'd bought it, I dropped it on the floor and it smashed. I didn't even make it out of the shop. Now, we have the lovely Claire who has worked in Oxfam shops. Um, you weren't there that day. I like to imagine that it looked like you bought it and then just dropped it and just walked <laughs> I know you didn't, but I'm, yeah, you should be really sad. That's a sad thing. Oh, bless you. So that was immediate. Didn't even get it home. Okay, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. I remember, I remember in school we made like clay like jars, and then I dropped mine while trying to get out of the classroom. Oh, buddy. That's that's a sad thing. And um, uh, this passage talks about real peace comes by simplicity. Just have a little look at this little bit. Verse eleven: Tremble, you complacent women. Shudder, you daughters who feel secure. Strip off your clothes, put on sackcloth around your waist, which is a sort of a sign of mourning. Um, and basically be aware of the challenges you're in. True, true peace, I believe, is going to come by simple living. Simple living and simple loving. I, I truly believe that. I believe our current systems, which have been built on greed and plenty and want, are about to come crashing down in all kinds of ways. And, in, and all kinds of challenges. And I'm not saying that as one of these kind of mad conspiracy theories. It may be that in the West we somehow cushion it, but someone will feel the pain. But simple living and simple loving is where peace comes from. The gospel is this simple. Whatever you've done, wherever you've walked, Jesus came to die for you. He loves you with a love that will never fail, and no one else will love you like that. Jesus is your brave champion who went to the cross and died for you so that whilst you may physically die, your eternity is secure with him. True peace comes when you know where you're heading. True peace comes when you know you're not alone. And true peace comes when you know who you are. Where you're heading, that you're not alone, and you know who you are. In our current world, I think everything is trying to rage against those three truths. This is all there is. It's just you. There is no point. No wonder we struggle with peace. Does that make sense? And our system says work hard and maybe you can give yourself value and we can't. Achieve this and maybe you'll give yourself value and you can't. And and I, I have a God today, I think, who just wants to say stop, rest, breathe. You were made for more. Than this. Does that make sense? Now, I'm going to try and say it as simple as I can. The challenge for us, if we want to know shalom, is that it's an active thing. It won't just come as a feeling. They worked hard at knowing peace. They worked hard at it, at finding peace. And so my encouragement, if you're in a marriage where there's no peace, work hard at it. Get others to come and help you. If you're in a workplace where there's no peace, work hard at it and find others who can be your allies. If you're in a church and there's no peace, talk to us and and ask us. Simple living and simple loving. Here's how the the chapter finishes. Just some good news. Here we go, Daniel. Thank you. 
when will true peace come? Till the spirit is poured out from us from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be shalom, peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Then this is really important. Not because everything's been solved. Though the hail flattens the forest and the city is leveled completely, how blessed you will be, sowing your stream by every stream and letting your cattle and donkeys range free. This is the bit that's so key. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places, whilst the world is suffering. And then going out to work. Now, my challenge is, and I, I was trying to think how I could say this today. I literally think this starts with your diary, it starts with your time, and it starts with the way you, you, you plan your week. It starts with your awareness of, of bigger things, of godly things, of, of where hurt and brokenness is. But simple loving and simple living is a path to peace. But here it is also a gift of the Spirit. It's God just saying, know my peace.